are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on June 1st of 2021. How you doing, Matt? Doing great. Uh, just uh, hanging out. Uh, not too much going on. I hope everyone had a good Memorial Day and... Uh, you know, thank you to all the servicemen and women out there who, you know, has risked their lives for our freedoms. And um, I think a lot of people kind of forget the meaning of that holiday, and it's really important. I think it's a, a really good thing to, to have and th- think about those people. So, absolutely, um, it was. Uh, hope everyone had a good weekend. So, yeah. What did did you do? Anything special? Uh, nothing really that special. I I went to the went to the lake and uh, on Monday, but other than that, I played golf one day and i think hang hung out with some friends on, on sunday that I, ha- I had a friend come in from out of town i hadn't seen in a while so went and hung out with him so that was pretty cool but but yeah uh, it was a good weekend for me um hope uh hope everyone out there had had a good weekend how, how are you doing doing good went to uh went to the drag strip on saturday hadn't been out there in in four or five years so oh, wow. went out there and you know hung out with my dad and kind of his buddies and stuff kind of saw some people I haven't seen in that long and it was a nice day. And then just kind of hung out the rest of the weekend, had a buddy's birthday yesterday and we went to so nothing too special over here. Just trying to uh, beat the 105 degree weather that's going on right now. You know, you don't want to be outside in that. You want to stay inside as much as possible. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. So, but uh, you know, this is going to be a jam packed episode. We had some, you know, a, a special announcement today on honoring a former legend of the game. We had some cool MLB records get broken or set, I should say, not really broken. Um, and then, you know, a player that's been playing for a long time, moving up the all-time lists. And then we're going to go through our kind of monthly breakdown um, and give you guys what's kind of the status. I think it's been a couple weeks since we did that. To kind of fill you in on what's all changed. Uh, and then next week, we look to bring to you guys kind of like a third way mark of the season and, and, you know, say what's happening so far and give you guys our prediction or not predictions, but what our um, MVPs and all that stuff would be at that point. But that's next week. This week, let's focus on, uh, you know, on one of the cool things was actually just announced today. And that is that the inaugural Lou Gehring day um, will be actually tomorrow. And it's, it's a special thing because it will be, the anniversary of the day he made his major league debut in 1925 as a starting first baseman for the New York Yankees and the date that he eventually passed away on in 1941 after his battle with ALS. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, cool thing for major league baseball to do. Um, you know, when you first told me about this, I was a little worried they'd be taking the, you know, doing the like number thing like they do for Jackie Robinson day. And I think that should be reserved for Jackie Robinson day, but this is really cool. Um, I'm, I'm glad. I think it's great for, you know, they've had some of these things for ALS, like the ice bucket challenge they had several years ago and they've had, uh, you know, some other stuff. And I'm really glad that they're going to have, uh, this and and bring an awareness to this disease. And, uh, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully, uh, people take, take it seriously and, uh, pay attention to it you know, um, hopefully, you know, we get more ongoing research and some, some, some good stuff out of it. So I'm really, uh, really happy that MLB is doing this. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you guys are going to be watching games either Wednesday, um, or Thursday, because if teams are off on Wednesday, they'll observe it on Thursday. Um, you'll see ALS logos around the park. 
Um, you'll see players having red wristbands with the number four on it um, and special patches going on. So pretty cool of Major League Baseball to, you know, devote some time and a day to Lou Gehrig and this disease that, you know, really took his playing career and, and eventually his life. Um, so one other thing we had to happen this week, which is a uh, pretty cool. We didn't, uh, you know, it really wasn't hyped up much, which we can talk about a little bit, but Josh Donaldson ended up scoring the ML major league baseball's two millionth run. Um, I believe it was on, when was that? Was it Thursday? Something like that. Or no, it was Saturday. It was on Saturday. He got driven in by a ground rule double by Nelson Cruz. Um, but like I said, there wasn't really any buildup to this, which was, it's kind of awkward because, you know, like me and Matt Bull said pre-show, we didn't know this happened until it happened or that it was even going to be a thing right until, you know, after it happened, we all got the notifications about it. Yeah. I thought that was uh, interesting. I, I never thought that that was something that was coming. I never mean, even, that's, just, that's not something that's ever even entered my brain, uh, a two millionth run. But, uh, you know, it's, as you said, you're, you're telling me before the show that it sounds like they really promoted it with, with the one millionth run. And uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't with the two millionth run, especially within today's day of media and everything. I thought that would have been pretty cool. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's neat. Uh, I know that the, the one millionth run happened sometime in the 70s after baseball, Major League Baseball started in the 1870s, yeah. which, you know, that was 100 years difference. And this has been roughly 50 years, a little under since the, uh, since the last um, – since the, since the one millionth run scored. So I thought that was interesting. Part of that is definitely the fact that there's more teams now. So more games are being played, but uh, also, you know, there's been an offensive uh, bump in the last 50 years with, you know, with through the steroid era, through the last several years, the juiced ball era offense has been up. Obviously offense is a little bit down this year, but uh, you know, in the past, you know, 20, 30 years, offense has been up a pretty good bit. And, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. It took half the time to score a million runs the second time than it did the first time. So. Yeah. I guess we can look forward to the three millionth run in about 20 years, huh? Yeah, or, or yeah, 20 years. <laughs> who, know, who knows what Major League Baseball is going to do to the ball so or, or the mound or whatever. So it might be five years yeah. as far as I know. Who does know? Um, but also another cool thing that co- kind of coincides kind of with the MLB history type deal is that we also this weekend had the 20,000th player in MLB history, and that was Seattle's rookie catcher, Jose Godoy. Yeah, that was a uh, very interesting. I was, I remember looking through the box scores the, the other day and I saw his name and I was like, who is that? Cause I'd never heard of him. And apparently he's the backup catcher for, for Seattle got called up last week um, to make his debut. And, you know, that was the 20,000th player. I saw a, a tweet later on and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, that's the only time that, you know, that there's a chance that that's kind of the only thing this guy's ever going to be known for, you know, is he's not really a high hybrid prospect or anything. He's just kind of a depth piece and, you know, no, no disrespect to him. I hope he does well in his career, but you know, I don't, don't fully expect that to be the case. So it's up that he'll always be known for. I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, what are the odds that the 20,000th player is just like a backup catcher? So like yeah, you, that, that's the funny part. Yeah, you, you never know, though, because, you know, teams bring up a lot of depth pieces, send them back down and stuff that mm-hmm. happens all the time. And then, you know, it's kind of rare that out of every 20 players that gets called up, you know, maybe one of them's a top prospect. So right. that might, you know, I feel like it, you know, it, it's kind of more so than you than you might think. But it's still interesting. It's still obviously, you know, cool how this this guy is going to be the one that. You know, he's the twenty thousandth player. You know, I don't know who the ten thousandth player was, but I'm sure that that's something that's kept in the in the books somewhere. And uh, you know, I think that's pretty cool. But 
Yeah. So another thing that, you know, the last kind of record or whatever we had set was that Albert Pujols passed Babe Ruth on the all-time extra base hit list to become the fourth all-time. He currently has 1,357 extra base hits. He is within striking distance of Stan Musial for third that has 1,377, so about 20 extra base hits uh, behind him. The interesting thing is if he can continue playing, you know, through this year and maybe into the next year, he has a legit shot at getting to Hank Aaron, who has you know only a hundred more extra base hits. Maybe it might take two more years for Albert, and that's kind of stretching it. Him already being forty-one, but there's a legit chance that Pujols could be the all-time extra base hits leader. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, I don't think it's very likely, as you know that would require, you know, he's about one hundred twenty behind. That would require two. 50 extra base hit seasons plus the rest of this season to get 20 which i'd be very surprised if he has 50 extra base hits in a season again but uh you know it's cool albert pujols we've talked about him a lot um you know last few weeks with his move on from the angels to the dodgers and you know climbing the history books and uh you know this is one of those things that i think is what makes him so great is he he wasn't just well he isn't just a he's still playing isn't just a special player in one facet it's not like he's a guy who hits 600 home runs and that's really all he does or he's such a good all-around hitter you know he gets a lot of he gotten a lot of hits in his career a lot of extra base hits doubles home runs he just hits the ball well it's not one of those situations where he's exceptionally good at just hitting home runs or just hitting doubles or something contact hitting just getting hit it's like pete rose or somebody like he's just an exceptional hitter all around and i think the extra base hits list and more so than just like the home run list is something that goes to show that it shows that hey this guy has put the ball it hit the ball hard in the gaps line drives fly balls you know hit a lot of home runs obviously he's done it for a long time and uh i saw something earlier today that was kind of interesting i thought and uh, you know it was it's something that you don't. I haven't thought about too much because everyone talks about his decline. But in the last five years, he really hadn't changed any. He's been pretty much the same guy every year. I thought, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Like he's been good for about twenty home runs and mm-hmm. about you know a you know about a average to slightly below average hitter, and he doesn't play defense. So I thought that was kind of interesting over the last five years. So he really hasn't changed any, and you know maybe he can keep playing for a couple more years. So he's played pretty well since he got to the. So he's got the Los Angeles Dodgers, that is. But. Yeah, and I think if if he doesn't have to have that everyday set like you are the first baseman role and like be more flexible with him and be like, hey, we're going to give you, you know, kind of maybe what they're doing with the Posey right now is like we'll play you for two and then you're going to have a day or two off and then we'll play you for two or three and you're going to have a day or two off. Like do something like that with him and maybe he might be more productive and just get him off his feet so much because, you know, of those feet, those feet injuries that he has had in his career that's kind of hampered him you know especially those first when his decline really started happening with the angels it was a lot of it was due to that plantar fasciitis that he had and really just being uncomfortable you know on his feet standing hitting running any of that um so first one part of that is maybe he would still be you know better hitter if he didn't deal with that but then also now it's like maybe playing him a little bit less helps him be a little bit more productive yeah, and that's entirely possible. So um, I'm glad that he's playing well. I'm glad that he's doing these things because, I mean, he's been along for a long time, a, a, a se- seemingly a good guide, a good teammate, and um, has done a lot of good things in his career. So it's good to see him continue to continue to prosper. 
Absolutely. Well, let's jump on over to our, you know, division breakdown type stuff. Um, you know, start with the AL East where the Tampa Bay Rays are just coming off a major hot streak. I think it was at one point 15 games in a row they won. Um, yes. and they've taken over this division lead now by two games. Yeah, the the Rays are really good. Um, they have just done a little bit of everything. They like they always do. The pitching is very good, both in the rotation and the bullpen. Obviously, I think it was two weeks ago they they made that trade where they sent Willie Adamas to the Brewers mm-hmm. for Fayerson. I still don't know how to say his name, but he's good. Um, and then uh, also uh, uh, Rasmus, Drew Rasmussen, who are a couple young, good-looking relievers from from that were with with uh, Milwaukee, who badly needed a shortstop help. And um, I saw where Fierson already saved a game for the Rays, so like two days ago. So um, you know they just continue to do things like that, and. Uh, you know, obviously they've they've got some good pieces in their lineup. Uh, Randy Rosarina is a, a, a really good piece, a young piece. Um, you know, and, and they got help coming. I mean, Vidal Bruhan has shown a lot of power this year in the minors that he hadn't showed in the past. And then you take a look at uh, you take a look at obviously Wander Franco's the guy that everyone talks about, and for rightfully so. I mean, he's he's really good. So um, they just brought up that Taylor Walls who had who had been hitting well in, in the in the minors to start the season. Apparently, he's some like a defensive wizard type guy at short. So, um, you know, you add that to a team that still has some good pieces. They platoon guys really well. Uh, they play good defense. Anytime you got Kiermeyer and obviously that, that new shortstop walls. And then you've got, uh, you've got, uh, Zunino behind the plate. You've got three really good defenders in the middle of the field. And that's very, very underrated thing that the Rays do well. So yeah. And a weird thing, a weird thing with this Tampa Bay team is they're a team that we know that usually wins a lot of close games, a lot of run, one run, two run games. But so far this season in one run games, they're seven and eight. And then also it's another interesting thing about them is you look is they kind of have different weird splits basically on how they play. So at home, they're only two games above 500, but on the road, they're like 13 games above 500. So they're 20 and seven on the road and they're 15 and 13 at home right now. So yeah. you expect each of those to kind of flip back around a little bit, but also their one run games being seven and eight, they're a team that, you know, for years and years, we know, know how to do those little things that help you win those little one run games and to be about a 500 team right now, you know, that could even look that maybe they bump that up some and get even better in that, you know, phase of the game. Yeah. And, and the Rays at 35 and 20, I mean, that's an incredible record. And this is a team that, you know, lost, lost pieces in the offseason after their World Series run last year. I mean, they lost Charlie Morton. They lost Blake Snell. That's two key pieces of that rotation last year that are now playing elsewhere. And they've just seemed to not miss a beat. I mean, they brought in Rich Hill, who's done great. And Tyler Glass now seems to have taken the next step. And they still do some some other things with their staff that like having openers, having short outings for certain guys. Ryan Yarborough's pitched pretty well. I mean, they're, they're, this, this team, they just do everything – their own way and they do it really well and they beat the money the money system they're the, they're the modern day money ball and that's really cool i like the i like how the rays are doing things yeah and you mentioned blake snell and i want to say that they they got a lot of flack for trading him this year and so far this year he has not been good he has a 555 era a 439 fip and he's already walked um what was he it walks, 31 a lot of guys yeah. he's already walked 31 people to 70 strikeouts so he has about a two to one, two point five to one strikeout to walk ratio right now. 
Um, so, you know, the Rays, they got a lot of flack for trading him saying like, what are you doing? Da, 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 da. Well, it seems to be working out for them a little bit more than yep. we do. Than we knew. Yep. And, they've, and, they've, and, you know, not only that, but they've got, you know, the Patinos pitched in the big leagues already some this year and he'll just be better. I mean, <laughs> they got a lot of pieces. So absolutely. Well, Boston, like we said, they're not too far behind. They're still two games back. You know, they still went seven and three this last week, but I mean, we still didn't expect Boston to be this good and to be, I mean, they're three and a half games still over the Yankees sitting, you know, comfortably in that second spot right now in this division. Yeah. Xander Bogarts to me is maybe, I mean, I don't know if I call him the most underrated player in baseball, but he might be, he might be, he's really good. He's not a great defender at shortstop and a lot of people knock him a lot for that, but a lot more than they should because he's the best hitter at shortstop in the league by a pretty good margin. And he's another guy that does a little bit of everything. He he's perfect for this type of season with the, with the uh, with the ball being um, unused a little bit because he he's never been a guy who is so reliant on hitting home runs like a lot of the the shortstops that you know like the Trevor Story or uh, you know uh, or Glaber Torres or some of these guys that were relying on home runs. He's kind of does everything well. He hits home runs, obviously. He's good at that, but he, he's just good at everything. And, uh, I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the league right now. He's looked to me like a potential MVP candidate so far to me. And, uh, you know, they've got other pieces too. Verdugo has been a really good piece for them. Um, obviously, you know, they got a ton of flat for trading Mookie Betts for Verdugo, but the return they got in Verdugo has turned out to be pretty good. It's not as good as Mookie, but still, he's been good. Um and then you look at some other guys that they've got. They they just they do they do a lot of things well. They um, they're a good team. Devers is good. I mean they they've pitched pretty well compared to what we expected. Nick Pavetta's been better than I thought he could possibly be this year. Uh, Rodriguez has been back, uh, and you might end up seeing them get Chris Sell back at some point. And and not to mention the fact that their bullpen, which is full of Matt Barnes and a bunch of guys we've never heard of, has generally worked pretty well. So. It's uh, it's been a fun year for the Red Sox so far. Yeah, it has been, and you know, we right behind them, the Yankees. We're talking about three and a half games. We expected the Yankees, you know, to break out at some point and get right back up there, but they really didn't have a great week. You know, four and six over this last ten, but that four and six also includes getting swept by the Detroit Tigers in Detroit. Yeah, you've got to take advantage of of games against a team like that, and. The Yankees just didn't. I mean, they got beat down by a couple of the young pitchers from the Tigers, which, I mean, some sometimes stuff like that will happen. A team like the Tigers that they, you know, recently, you know, having having a couple of really highly rated prospects come up, like like Scooball and Casey Mize, you know, they're good. they've got such good stuff. They're top prospects for a reason. You know, there's going to be games where they find their stuff some, and they really give a team like the Yankees problems because their, you know, their talent level is talent level of a of a elite pitcher even though they may not be consistent yet so um you know it makes a little bit of sense obviously you know you don't want to lose a start from garrett cole against the tigers though and they did that now uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle lately for the yankees but you know they're hanging in there they've had some injury issues luke voigt's down again um aaron judge has started to play well uh, again and Stanton's been hurt, and it's just, you know, it, it's been a little bit of everything. Glaber Torres is struggling still. Gary Sanchez is struggling still. That's been a bad thing for this team. Uh, LeMayhew's been, no, not horrible, but he hadn't been what he had been the last couple of years. Um, I think this is a team that's going to be fine. 
regardless of whether they end up beating the Rays or the Red Sox, who, you know, seem to be pretty for real, uh, they're going to, I think they're still going to be the wild card team if they don't, but it's going to be, it's good. You know, they've got a lot of bigger fight on their hands than they thought they might. Yeah. And I would look for, watch out for the Yankees because Brian Cashman has shown when he needs to do a shakeup, he's not afraid to do a shakeup. So he could be a team that, you know, is making to look an er look at making a early trade deadline splash for a prosper for somebody to help them right now, you know, maybe a center fielder since Aaron Hicks is going to be out for the year. Um, <clears throat> so well, let's jump over to the AL central now where the white Sox are still leading this division at two and a half games over the Cleveland Indians. Um, you know, Kansas city's still holding in third, five and a half back Minnesota's 10 back and Detroit's 10 and a half back. Yeah, uh, this division's been really interesting this year. Um, you, you know, the the Twins were the team that a lot of people expected to be good that has not been good. Uh, but the Twins have started to play a little bit better. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Um, you know, they're 10 games back, so it's going to be really difficult for them to come back in the division. But the Royals still hanging in there. They had like something like a 10 game losing streak at one point, And they have, you know, kind of stabilized after that. Um, and then the, you've got white, the white Sox, who have probably been the best team in this division. They've got good, got good pitching from Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, who struggled a little bit to start the season has been uh, a lot better lately. Um, and, you know, we get, when you have that pairing of Lynn Giolito and then, you know, Carlos Rodon, who's been spectacular this year at, at the top of your rotation, plus the offense that they have, which, you know, Rios Monte Grandal, and who's has the weirdest line in baseball, but uh, yeah. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, uh, Yerman Mercedes, who has been struggling a little bit lately, but has had a good rookie year. Uh, and you're probably going to get back Eloy and, and Robert at some point later in the season. So, um, good job for the white Sox so far and uh you know like i said i was talking about the tigers earlier and uh they've got some good outings from a couple of their young pitchers recently so that's been encouraging for them yeah you mentioned him but i want to give a you know expand on it a little bit more the year that lance lynn is having you know he when he got traded over to chicago we were like man it's going to be a decent for him he'll be an okay guy he'll probably be third in that rotation whatever he's had he has a 137 era so far this year like he is having a fantastic career year um, and, and a big part of what the Chicago White Sox are doing. So congratulations, Lance Lynn, and keep it up. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a guy, it's just kind of weird because he throws like 80% fastballs between like a four seam, two seam, and a cutter, which is like you don't hardly see that as much from a starter these days. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. And Lance Lynn's a guy that took him a long time to become this level of pitcher. He was Absolutely. always an okay, decent pitcher, but he'd been through a lot of teams and you know, it took him a long time and he figured it out and he's turned into an ace. So that's yeah. really cool for him. So. You know, let's jump over to the AL West where Oakland is leading this division, but only over by a half game over the Houston Astros, um, you know, and they both struggled to four and six records the past 10 games. Yeah. The, the A's, uh, I think the A's have kind of stabilized where they, they had that long winning streak and I believe it was what the you know, the second week of the season, they started 0-6 and, and they won like 11 straight games or something. Yeah. Um, and you have a, you have a team that, you know, I think they're playing like their talent level. I think they're about a 500 talent level team uh, that got hot for a little while early, but um, you know, they've built up enough of a lead in the division to where, you know, having a little bit of a cooler, cooler week or two helps them. The Astros have been playing a really tough 
part of their schedule recently, and uh, I've got some good contributions from some guys. But um, Framber Valdez came back, which for them is very important because he was really good last year. Uh, they needed him to, to step in and pitch well, and uh, so the, the Astros hit the ball well this year. Um, I think that they're probably the favorites at this point to win this division. Uh, the Mariners are close, um, closer than I would have expected them, but I still don't believe in their pitching staff to, to keep them keep them up there. And then uh, look at the Angels, and I mean, without Trout, you know, they're only six games under 500, which is bad, but it's not, you know, completely out of it, but Without Trout, I have a hard time believing this team's going to pick anything up until he comes back in a month or two. So, well, uh, yeah, and not just that, but they need guys like Dylan Bundy to turn it around. Like, yeah, I was Dylan looking Bundy's the other day, rough. I was looking at it the other day, and he had like a 650 ERA or something so far this season. Like, he's been terrible. And I did not expect that at all, especially yeah. coming off the year he had last year. Yeah, it's one of those things where everyone's, you know, complaining about the Angels and how they haven't gotten that pitching help. But, you know, they, they really did go out and get some guys to pitch. They The problem that they've had is that the guys that have pitched really well in the past year or two haven't pitched well, like mm-hmm. like Bundy. I mean, uh, you know, it's it hadn't really been the, you know, the Alex Cobb they brought in. or the I mean, the Jose Quintano hasn't been good, but they tried to get some guys to help them. They're under a little bit of a financial crunch. This is the last year of that because of Pujols' contract. But, uh, I mean, they, they really just haven't they haven't had that. And then, you know, they haven't got the contribution that they wanted from Anthony Rendon this year either. He's battled injuries a couple times, and he's just been okay, So to, to his standards at least. So he'll be he'll be fine. He'll turn it around at some point. Trout will come back at some point. I do believe this team at some point will get hot when, when Trout's back and they have their lineup intact. But – I just don't know if it's going to be in time to, to still contend in this division. Cause I believe that as they're constructed right now, without trout, they're a below 500 team and they're going to continue to play like it until he comes back, which, you know, in a few more weeks, if they play below 500 ball, they're probably not going to be there anymore. So, yeah, yeah. It, and that's the part that sucks, you know, especially for a team that we were so high on coming into the season. Uh, but I want to jump back to the Mariners real quick and say that they did just lose Kyle Lewis as well. Um, he had a right meniscus tear, so that's probably going to keep him out for about four to six weeks. Um, so as much as we weren't liking their pitching, you know, we thought maybe some of their hitting could off-balance that. Well, they just lost their rookie of the year and a major contributor on the yeah. offensive side of the ball for them. Yeah, no doubt. It stinks. He's had knee injuries in the past, so hopefully he's able to come back from this pretty pretty well. Yeah. Well, let's jump over to the NL East um, and talk about the you know the division leading Mets at twenty six and twenty three and a half games over Atlanta and I I think we just found out yesterday that Jacob Degrom is an alien. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the the interesting thing about Jacob Degrom and what Damian is talking about, he he came out in yesterday's game against uh, Arizona, and his first ten pitches were over a hundred miles an hour. And then his 11th pitch was a nasty slider. He struck out two guys in the in the inning. And, um, and the slider was like 95 or yeah, something. Yeah, like something yeah. stupid. So I don't know. I don't know how he does it because we had you know you you see guys a lot of times that come up 
and they gain some velocity when they change their mechanics as they're as they're coming up in the in the minor leagues or when they first get to the majors. You have a you know like a 25 year old that makes his debut, pitches a year, and you know is sitting 95, and then all of a sudden next year he comes out, and he's throwing more overhand or more sidearm or three quarters or something, and he's increased his velocity by a couple miles an hour. That that, that happens, but a guy that's 32, 33, that rarely happens, and. I mean, this guy, Jacob deGrom, is just getting better and better and better, and it's hard to believe that he's just getting better. I mean, you know, he, he was really good. I, I don't think people remember how good he was when he first came up. He won Rookie of the Year, and he, he was throwing five miles an hour slower on his fastball than he is now when he won yeah. Rookie of the Year. Like, like this guy is – 97. Yeah, this guy is an absolutely insane pitcher, um, and he's really going to be the reason – that the Mets are, have success this year because their their lineup's not very good. Lindor has been atrocious still at the plate. Uh, I read an article on him earlier about how his hard hit rates are way down and his uh, well the hard hit rates weren't way down, but his his ground ball rate just has just spiked this year, and um, it has been uh it's been rough for for him this year. Um, but. Uh, one other piece that the Mets are going to lose, I, I don't know what the prognosis is on Cindergard. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard, but he had to get shut down from his rehab outings. But but there's a lot of good for them too. They're, they've got the biggest, one of the bigger division leads in baseball. It might be the biggest right now. Uh, six games over 500. Their bullpen's pitched well. Uh, they've got great contributions for Marcus Stroman. Uh, mm-hmm. And Tywin Walker's pitched well for them, which I was kind of surprised that he's pitched as well as he has. Um, so good, good for those two guys. They've really helped stabilize this rotation without, you know, not having center guard and, and also not having Carrasco who is expected to be a big piece for them this year. So, um, you know, the Mets have done really well. Um, they are 15 and five at home, which is really incredible. I think that, I think their ability, I think they're playing at home has played up to their, um, has played up to their, their roster with their pitching. Cause they, they do still have a pretty good hit, uh, pitcher pitching park. Um, so that, that's helped them a lot, but, uh, they've done well. So, yeah. And, then, and that's what I was going to say. You said they've done well, but they've also battled some stuff, you know, like you oh, said, yeah. Carrasco's been out. Lindor yeah, isn't going to not... be this bad as he's been so far this yeah. year. He might not be a great, but he's not going to be this bad. Yeah. Conforto he's on the IL and yep. he's also McNeil. been terrible, you know, so far McNeil's yeah, out. IL. Dom uh, Smith hasn't been as good as he was yeah. last year, which and I mean, he, I don't think Davis has been out a lot. Yeah. I mean, James McCann has been god awful. I mean, the past week he's kind of picked it up and played a little bit more. Like, I mean, you know, I fully get paid for him to be awful, but <laughs> well, no, yeah, but he's. I mean, this past week he's kind of picked it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he I, has. He's he, played better. He's. I don't think he was as bad as he what he was playing yeah. like. Like that's my point. Is like they've been. They've still been good. They've even missed time from Degrom, but a lot of their yeah. players are playing like below what you think they would play at. Yeah. So they could even get better, which is, you know, kind of scary. Yeah. Hey, one more note on DeGrom before we move on from the Mets is that he is currently second in the National League in pitching war, and he's pitched like 20 fewer innings than everyone else because he missed three starts. Yeah. I think that's pretty incredible. So He's an alien. That's yes, all you can say. He, he really is. He's just an incredible pitcher. So He's like the real-life version of that kid from Rookie of the Year where the guy just like gets arm surgery and then it just throws super hard all of a sudden. Yeah. But just without the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. No surgery, but yeah. just good. Well, uh, the Atlanta Braves had something interesting happen this week, and we won't want to dive too much into it because it's an ongoing legal issue. But 
Marcelo Zuna was arrested this week for um, spousal or domestic abuse of some sort. Um, we don't know all the details, but supposedly the police witnessed it happen with their own eyes. Um, and if that's the case and everything is true, it's then a, becomes a felony. Um, and he's up to minimum or I'd say a minimum of three years in prison and up to 20. Um, pretty much we don't want to dive too much into it because it's very touchy subject and everything, but this pretty much spells the end of if any of this is true of Marcelo Zuna sort of playing in major league baseball, most likely. Yeah. And you know, obviously we don't know what the circumstances were. We don't know what all is accurate, what all is not accurate, the reporting, everything. So I'm not going to comment on any of that stuff. Obviously it, it sucks. That the Braves are going to not have Uzuna for the team. It sucks for obviously the first thing we think about is Uzuna's family and everything. And hopefully, you know, he's able to change, you know, if this is all true, he's able to change as a person and get better. And, you know, th this type of thing doesn't happen again. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully things, you know, it, this makes everyone involved, you know, bet a better person and whatever. But, um, you know, I mean, it's just a tough situation. He, he got injured last week before this happened, so he was going to be out for a while anyways. But uh, this, um, you know, this is a bad situation. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll figure out they'll figure out a way to, you know, if, if it's all true and he's, you know, gets convicted or, or, you know, even if something like the charges are dropped, but it was obviously, you know, but it was true, then hopefully there's a way that they can figure out to, you know, the Major League Baseball handle it with the suspension, of course, as, as we've seen. I don't know if it's the end of his career just because you look around and you see, you know, Aroldis Chapman's playing, Odubel Herrera's playing, Roberto Usuna, well, was pl playing after his, he got traded for during his, and uh, Domingo Herman is playing, Jose Reyes played a long time after his. So I think a lot of it's on a case by case basis, and this looks like a really bad case. So, but we'll see what happens. I, you know, I don't want to comment too much more than that on, um, you know, without, without knowing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so we'll move on to the Phillies. You know, they had a three and seven week this week. They're five games back in this division, but they're still also missing Bryce Harper. Um, I don't know if we got that last week when the MLB Daily guys on, but Bryce Harper did go on the IL. I'm not sure what it's for, but rough week for Philadelphia, you know, but kind of expected when you're missing your, you know, your star player. Yeah. Philadelphia has had one real bright spot this year and that's been the the contributions of Zach Wheeler, who's on that big contract. But other than that, I mean, their bullpen's been a little bit better, but had been good. I mean, Bryce Harper was playing really well before he got hit in the face. And then yeah. ever since then, he hadn't played well. And I think this is an unrelated injury that he's dealing with now. Um, but, you know, Aaron Nola hasn't been Aaron Nola-like, um, you know, in the rest of the rotation. Eflin's been good. That's, that's another bright spot. I should have mentioned Eflin. But, I mean, they're just, uh, you know, just playing average ball, a little below 500. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like how the, uh, it's it's kind of like how they've been the last couple of years. They, they seem like a team that's got a lot of talent, but they just can't put it together. So. Yeah, Bryce Harper's injury was a uh, left forearm injury, so definitely okay. unrelated. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was something like that. So <clears throat> Yeah, they did say that he's not going to be returning when he's first eligible, though, tomorrow. So, um Still probably a week or two out for Bryce Harper. Yep. So um, that's that's things. Well, let's jump over to the NL Central. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I want to mention I want to oh. mention one more thing in the NL East. Uh, kind of a new development tonight. Uh, Steven Strasburg was pitching tonight. 
um, and I was watching as the, they're playing the Braves, and he was throwing 89-90 in the first inning, and they pulled him in the, in the second inning. Um, so he's obviously – he had been on the I.L. with shoulder injury. He had pitched a game last week. He came back, and he's pitched again tonight, and he got pulled really early. So that doesn't bode well for the Nationals at all, who have really been struggling, but it's still worth mentioning when you've got a piece like Stephen Strasburg there. So Yeah, especially since he's dealt with injuries throughout yep. his entire career. So. Yep. And, and 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 this year specifically, it's this, probably the same injury. So yeah. Well, now let's jump over to the NL Central, there you go. <laughs> um, where we have the Chicago Cubs now leading this division, albeit by a half game, but they went on a torrid pace this week. I mean, eight and two over their last ten, with St. Louis kind of scuffling, you know, only being five and five. But Milwaukee's right there behind both of them at a game and a half back. They also went eight and two over these past ten games. Yeah. This has been an interesting division. As we, I think we kind of talked about how this might be the most entertaining division in baseball this year. There's a lot of other team divisions that were going to be really, really interesting, but and maybe have better teams. But this was the most entertaining one. Um, Chris Bryant for the Cubs has been spectacular this year. He's been back to his MVP form or better. Uh, that's been good for them. I, I saw something earlier where. He had a like something like a forty higher WRC plus that he did in his MVP year up to this point. Yeah. So um, I don't know if he's going to keep it going or not, but he's been very good. Um, you look at their bullpen; a lot of unknown guys have pitched su- super well for them. Tommy Nance has pitched well for them. Obviously, Kimbrel's a well-known guy, but he's kind of rejuvenated himself, pitched well for them. Uh, Keegan Thompson's pitched well for them out of the bullpen. You've got uh, Andrew Chafin's pitched really well for them out of the bullpen. So that they've had good bullpen contributions that we didn't expect. The rotation's been eh, – it's been okay. Um, Alzalea's been a big piece for them, get, making a lot of improvements. But, man, they've, been, they've just been hitting the ball well, and Chris Bryant's been a big part of that. So uh, good for him. I'm very glad to see him healthy because I think it's been a couple years since he's really been fully healthy for a season. Yeah, and like you said, the Chris Bryant being MVP, Chris Bryant, I think that's one of the most fun players to watch when he's playing that way because he's one of the true hitters that can use the entire field and use it for any anything. I mean, he can hit a homer down the right field line. He can pull a homer down the left field line, and yep. he can hit anything anywhere in between. Yeah, I mean, mo- most hitters, when you see they're on, are pull hitters or they're only you know power to one side, and he's a guy who is – anywhere i mean he can hit yeah, the ball good. anywhere yeah, so but yeah he's, he's good and uh the cubs i mean the cubs have been playing good baseball i mean they've they got some been. good contributions from pieces we didn't expect and they're you know i think there's there i think there's a good chance they can hang in there yeah i mean especially now a big thing for st louis is in their game last night actually against the dodgers jack flaherty uh, injured his oblique swing in a bat so i mean that's going to bring up the whole dh debate again but Sounds like it's a pretty severe oblique strain that he's going to miss quite a lot of time, um, you know, and then being second in the division, only a half game back, you know, missing one of their better pitchers. I mean, we wouldn't call him an ace, but he's best their best pitcher, most likely. Um, and he had been playing a little bit better recently, um, not kind of to what his 2019 levels were, but that's still a big blow for that Cardinals team losing one of their, you know, top of the rotation type guys. Yeah, this is really their only top of the rotation type guy that right now. I mean, Wayne Wright's pitched well at times this year, but I mean, uh, I mean, Gant's been pretty solid. He has yeah, like a one nine nine ERA. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know if I believe in John Gant, but um, well, I mean, just so far this year. 
Yeah, he's so played far like this, it. Oh, okay, so far this year, yeah. ERA, he's got a 181 ERA, but like a 5x FIP and a 4 FIP. So I don't expect him. He's averaging six walks per nine right now and Jesus. only seven strikeouts. So, I mean, he's been possibly the luckiest pitcher in baseball. So I, I don't especially believe John Gant's going to keep this up, you know, the rest of the year. But, um, you know, that they've got other guys like, like Carlos Martinez has been at times in the past good, but hasn't really been there this year. Kim obviously has pitched a pretty good bit this year. He's just, you know, they they got a lot of mid middle of the road, middle to back end of the rotation types. But I mean, Arenado and uh, you know Goldschmidt and uh, some some contributions from guys like Dylan Carlson and um, you know guys like that. Are, it's it's gonna it's it's really been good on offense for this team. Defense, uh, Yadier Molina has been been good this year, so um, it's good stuff for them. Yeah, Milwaukee, you know, we're telling their game and a half back. They've just got Christian Yelich. We just got Christian Yelich back. Um, and, you know, like they said, we tra- they made that trade for Willie Adamas. So that, that'll that be a big key for them because they had really got nothing from their shortstop, um, you know, players so far. Uh, Luis Urias had a big game this past week, you know, a couple doubles and, and a walk-off for them. So, Milwaukee could be a, a uh, you know, a sneaky team to make a little bit more of a run here as they're getting a little bit healthier. Of course, with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, you know, all being there and pitching pretty damn good for them. Uh, so could be could be a team to watch out for. Yeah, this is a this is a team that, I mean, uh, Brandon Woodruff has just been so good. He he's incredible. Uh, you know, sub two ERA, and he just—he's another guy that's just getting better and better. So good for him. Um, you know, Corbin Burns—we've talked about him a lot. He's still pitching really well. Um, Freddie Peralta has been impressive to me. Um, you know, just, uh, just strikes out a lot of guys. Um, Hauser had been good for a while. He's kind of hit the skids a little bit, but you know, and he, you look in their bullpen, you've got. You know, Josh Hader's got in like an 080 ERA, so it's pretty impressive if you ask me. Yeah, but and, um, and that's with Devin Williams even struggling so and, far. Yeah, Devin Williams has walked a lot of guys this year, and he, he struggled a little bit. So, um, I think this team needs offensive help a lot. It's a weird team because I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team that was this bad offensively that had this good a pitching. So uh, maybe if they're hanging in there like they have so far, though, at the deadline, they could probably go grab some offensive help. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of big time players available there, and they've already tried to help with with the Willie Adamas acquisition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you look forward, and uh, this is a team that could really use first baseman. Um, they could really use, I mean, they could really use just about anything. But I mean, Colton Wong uh, it, it has been has there is locked in at short, and and Kane's been playing pretty well. He's locked in in center, and then you got Yelich, who's going to be locked in in the outfield. But other than that, I mean, you could really look to upgrade pretty much anywhere. So. Uh, this has been a uh, this is a team that I think if you look at the the Brewers, I think out of the contenders in each division, this team has the most room for growth at the deadline, and I think they're going to do something. They've been real aggressive in the past at the deadline. It, you know, they remember them acquiring Scope, they acquired Mustakas, they've done a lot of aggressive moves at the deadline in the past that I think that could continue this year. Well, just in the history too, you know, Sabathia was and Grinky. Oh yeah, yeah, a um, couple of I mean, them, but yeah, for sure. 
Well, let's move over to the NL West now, where San Francisco is back leading this division by half game. Um, they had a big series this weekend against the Dodgers and took three of the four in LA, which was really good after getting swept by the Dodgers in San Francisco the week before. Um, you know, I wasn't really big on San Francisco, and I, I still don't think that they're as good as they've been playing, but they have surprised me. And there are guys that on this team that are are really surprising me. Evan Longoria looks really, really good yeah, again. He's in a great week. Buster Posey, I mean, his year's been fantastic. Um, who was the other guy that was lighting us up? Man, I forget. There was one more guy that they had that was just playing insane against LA this weekend. But they're pitching too. Um, Gossman had a really good, you know, game against them. Really good game against Arizona as well. Uh, but I'll talk about him in a little bit. Hint, hint. Um, but San Diego, I mean, they're right there. I mean, the top three teams in this division went six and four this week. San Diego's a half game back. LA's two back. Um, and I, I just think this is going to be a battle throughout the entire year. I expect at one point San Diego and the Dodgers will kind of separate themselves a little bit more from San Francisco. But, I mean, San Francisco's playing really well. They might stick around. Yeah, I expect San Francisco to contend for that number two wild card spot, but not to contend for the top uh not and not to continue for the top um of the division for the top of the division yeah, yeah. I, I expect that it would continue for the wild card spot at this point and i mean you look around and i, I think they could, it's attainable right now because you look at the the, the uh, nl east and the, i think that the second team in the nl east is going to have a hard time getting that wild card spot with the current records they're going to have to play two teams in the nl east are really going to have to play well for this number two team in the nl east to get that wild card spot so you know if the mets end up winning the division and you know i think if the mets end up being the wild card the second place team in that division someone else gets hot with braves phillies whoever then if the mets end up the second place team i think the mets are very well in contention for that but if another team wins it you know, I don't know if like the Braves or the Phillies, I don't think they're really going to win 90 games. So so it would take the Mets winning under 90 games for that. And I don't know if under 90 games is going to get you in this year with one of the spots being locked up by number two in the West, basically, whether it's the Diamond, whether it's the uh, Padres or Dodgers, whoever finished the second. So I, I really do believe that the Giants have a good shot at that number two spot. I think the Cardinals and the Brewers also have a shot at that because they're going to beat up a lot on the Reds and the well, the Reds are Reds aren't terrible, but they're going to beat up a lot on the uh, on the Pirates and it's a it's interesting to look at that the National League is going to be a dogfight the rest of the year. So yeah, and, and one thing to to note is that as we were recording this, Fernando Tatis got removed from his game um, today with oblique tightness. So a possible another injury. Hopefully it doesn't turn into anything serious, but as we were just talking about oblique strains can be, you know, long-term injuries. I mean, yeah. for in a season, they can be six to eight week injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, that's, it, that's unfortunate. And, um, you know, I wonder, wonder if this is at all related to some of the changes he's made in his follow through on his swing that maybe he's using different muscles in his follow through that he used in the past, but that's just speculation. I don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, it's been quite a while, so I don't, I wouldn't think so. I mean, we've seen a, a lot of oblique kind of type side tightness injuries already this yeah. year. So I don't think it's really related to that, but who knows? It could be. Yeah. And um, soft tissue injuries in general. I mean, leg, well, yeah. leg injuries too. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, the Dodgers sitting in third in this division, two games back. Um, just kind of their same thing we've talked about. 
all year. They battle in some injuries, got Cody Bellinger back. Um, kind of starts looking like they're going to get healthier. AJ Pollock should be back this week. Gonsolin should be back this week. Um, and Seeger shouldn't be too far back behind them. I think maybe a couple weeks, but you know, they, they were a team that's battled with that most of the year. So who knows? We'll see. You know, hopefully Tatis doesn't, isn't really injured that bad and he can get out there and that all these teams can get healthy and really fight it out. Cause it seems like this division has been really marred by a lot of the injury bug here. Um, I know all baseball has, but these two teams or these three teams really in general have kind of dealt with that. The yeah. Most. The, the NL East and the NL West, it seems like both, both divisions have had a lot of teams get injuries. I mean, you look at the, you look at the East and you've got three teams, their star offensive players missed, a lot of time you mm-hmm. know whether it's Acuna's missed time you look at the uh you look at uh you know the Harper's missed time Soto's missed time I mean the Conforto Davis McNeil whoever Jacob, you want to pick out of that Jacob DeGrom time. but yeah I was talking about the offensive players but, hey, I mean Jacob DeGrom obviously too so he's, he's batting 460 that is true he is a Just good hitter for, for a pitcher so yeah. uh, and then you look at the west I mean Tatis Bellinger uh really the only team that hasn't been beat up in the west you know, out of the, out of the three contenders, has been the, the Giants so far, which, you know, it's just the one that you would, you know, it's kind of unexpected because obviously the Giants have are the ones that have, uh, you know, a lot of the veteran, thirty five year old players like Posey and uh, Longoria, Crawford, Belt, all these guys. So uh, I think that's the that's been pretty interesting. But um, you know, it's interesting, and I, I hate that there's been so many injuries around baseball. But uh, you know, we're we're getting to a point where you know in the season where you do typically start to see some of these things pop up and, um, you know, hopefully guys get back and I'm glad that the Dodgers are starting to get healthy. You never want to see a guy like Cody Bellinger miss, miss a lot of time or anything like that, or, or Seager when he comes back, whatever. Uh, you don't want to see anybody like that miss time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited for, uh, excited for the season going forward though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's go ahead and jump over to the players of the week and then wrap this show up. Um, so for my pitcher this week, I kind of talked about him a little bit, but that's Kevin Gossman. Um, you know, he just had an insane week. I mean, 11 innings pitched, seven hits given up, but zero runs, two walks, 16 strikeouts. He was absolutely dominating the Dodgers on Saturday or on Sunday. Um, probably, I mean, he would have went longer into the game, but he kind of had fielded a ground ball weird and got a little hip, uh, hip, hip discomfort. So they pulled him only through, I think six. Um, so he should have, you know, pitched even more and he was just straight dominant. I think he had like 70 pitches or something in the sixth. He was, it was was just pure domination. Um, But he's had a really good year as well. So uh, shout out to Kevin Gosman. I mean, we've talked about him before, but you know, 13 strikeouts per nine this week, you know, leaving everybody on base, 29% ground ball rate. Isn't great. I mean, that's a guy that usually gets a lot more ground balls. So to have this good peripherals with that kind of a ground ball rate, I mean, could even get better so yeah that's uh that's really impressive for for kevin gossman he's been good but uh my pitcher of the week is uh rich hill uh the old man yes what 41 years old uh, uh, two starts this week uh 10 strikeouts per nine one walk per nine a 138 era and a 13 innings pitched so i think he had a 13 strikeout game the other day he has been We'll just call it very good uh, recently. And uh, really in his last several starts, he's been really good. So uh, some of that raised magic, but uh, he's, and he's been, he's been terrific for them. And uh, the one thing you do worry about with Rich Hill is we've talked about so much seems like this year is, is injuries and he's been healthy this year so far. And 
He's a guy who always seems to battle something. So uh, hopefully he's able to stay healthy for a while and you know pull pull out a pull out a good uh, good full season. So man, I love me some Rich Hill, man. Yeah. I mean, Rich Hill is awesome. Um, the yeah. main thing that he deals with is blisters. Yeah. So if he can find a way to keep the blisters down, um, he's always been a very good pitcher when he pitches. Yep. It's just. Can like he keep always gets yeah he every always year. gets those blisters every single year like you're saying um so hopefully he can keep those away and we can see some uh, some rich hill out there because the way he leg kicks off the mound and grunts is just awesome yeah but he throws about six different curveballs too yeah found awesome <laughs> and he throws for like seventy percent of the time like he throws his curveball yeah. like oh he's so all all curveballs and he throws them so much yeah and different ones and it's it's so cool but yeah. Good for him. Um, so who do you got for your hitter of the week? Uh, my hitter this week is going to be Carlos Correa. Uh, he hit 444 this week with 643 on base and an 899 slugging. I think that the biggest thing about it was that he's got a 35% walk rate this week, <laughs> which is, I mean, pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. I've seen, you know, that's a, that's a pretty dang good week to have a, 40, a 35% walk rate. So, uh, you know, other than that, you know, he's had – you know, a, a couple home runs and, uh, you know, seven or seven, five RBIs, seven runs scored. Uh, he hadn't struck out a ton. It's 14%, which is low. Uh, you know, if a lot of times when we have our players of the week, that, that, that'd be a little bit higher than the typical for that. But uh, he's got a 302 WRC plus this week, um, which is very good. And uh, he's been really good. He's, he's leading the, he led the league and wins above replacement the past week in, in six games. So good for him. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. Um, I hate to say that Carlos Correa had yeah. an awesome week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you, you're going to hear that. You would hear that from just about everybody. Yeah, but you know, know, at the same time, you got to give the guy props. Yeah, obviously, do. the obviously, you know, there's been times where the Astros have seemed to not mind the not cheating thing. So, yeah. well, my hitter this week is going to go to Hunter Renfro of the Boston Red Sox. Um, really, an underrated guy this year that the Boston picked up. Um, but the big thing with him about this week is that. His strikeout rate, when he doesn't strike out, he's actually a really good hitter, but his strikeout rate this week was 6.3%, which weirdly is identical to his walk rate this week. So he was identical in walks and strikeouts this week. He batted 600 with a 625 on base and a 1.333 slugging. You know, we talked, Matt talked about Carlos Correa having a 302 WRC plus. How about a 430 WRC plus for Hunter Renfro? Yeah. Um, and the weird part about it is that he was still slightly unlucky. He batted 600 this week and was still slightly unlucky. So, and didn't strike out. So, what a really good week from Hunter Renfro. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is going to be the Hunter Renfro going forward, but if we could see a little bit more of this, I mean, that could be a big bat for Boston to, you know, have in that lineup. Yeah. Just to expand a little bit on Hunter Renfro, he, this season has been really good defensively, which is, kind of surprising because he's had one positive defensive year in his career in, in 2019 this year he's been really good defensively and he's actually been a good player this year uh, almost put up last year he was in the negatives and wins above replacement part of that being due to a really low babbit but uh you know uh, he's uh, he's already up to one this year wins above replacement and he's you know he's looked uh, pretty good it's rare that the rays lose a transaction like this but he uh he seems to be playing really well for the for the red sox so absolutely well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this show, unless you have anything else. Um, not too much else to add. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit next week. It, it's crazy, you know, 
this this time, well, not this time of the year, last year, but this this time of the season, we'd be talking about the last week of the season and who was getting in and who wasn't getting in and the pennant races and stuff. And, you know, it, we're at 55 games and we got over 100 games left to be played. So um, awesome? I think that's I think it's pretty crazy that, you know, how weird that shortened season was. It puts it into perspective a little bit. Right now, we're just kind of talking about who's off to good starts. Last year, it's who's who, what what's good. This is the season. So, mm-hmm. um, but we're um, that you know next week we'll have a cool episode. Where we'll talk about some of our uh, preseason guys that we had picked to do well, and we talked about some of our. We'll talk about who we feel like has been the sixty game MVPs and Cy Youngs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that'll be really interesting to look at just basically the first two months award winners. Can, can we sense. not, can we not look at that stuff? Well, why would, why would we not? Because I don't want to, <laughs> you don't want, you're, you're upset because the Dodgers wouldn't be. In the, no, wouldn't no, be the I'm, I'm upset because of my award choices. Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at it right now. Yikes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's not good. Well, you, guys will, <laughs> you guys will laugh at me next week when you yeah. see what I'm looking at right now and what we were talking about today's episode. Yeah, but yeah, won't be the first time. Uh, but well, that, that's for next week. So you guys just uh, just make sure to come back next week so you can just openly mock me for how bad my awards predictions oh, were. There will be mocking at oh. lots of it. Oh yeah, lots of it. So. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. All right, thanks everybody.